What is up? What is happening? Welcome back to episode 109 of Skates at the Stakes. I'm your co-host AJ DeVito and we have a pretty good episode on tap for you guys. We have a pretty solid, uh, two pretty big RFA extensions announced. We have a new coach for the Bridgeport Islanders. We have a possible trade rumor that was debunked within the hour it was created. And we have uh, one one or two remaining free agents that might be considering going to the New York Islanders that have recently been in the news. And last but not least, we're going to wrap it up with one of our drafts, this, this time going from the years 2012-2013 to 2006-2007. Boys, how are we doing? Ryan, how are we doing? Hey everyone, welcome back to Skates at the Stakes, uh, happy to have you guys on. We've hit the dog days of summer for the NHL, there haven't really been too many UFA signings, uh, there haven't been too many trades, uh, unless you're really into the Zach Sanford business lately, you haven't really noticed any Elliot Friedman tweets, uh, but you know, things are kind of, you know, pretty busy some summer by the islander standards right like last podcast we broke down a fired coach tonight we're gonna break or we're gonna kind of build up a higher coach um as well as two rfa deals um i'm excited to be on tonight some of the trade stuff was interesting and you know who who doesn't love a snake draft don't we folks uh but jake how you doing tonight pal what's up brian what's up guys uh welcome back to another episode we've got few news to cover um some bridgeport stuff as we kind of mentioned and we have a fun little draft um we'll get into the years and stuff later but uh, i'm pretty excited hope i uh i win this one you won't i'm sure of it before we get into anything we also forgot to mention a islander legend retired today in nate thompson absolute legend absolute beauty i was shocked to even find out he was still in the league in the uh bubble when he was on philadelphia against us i'm pretty sure so, uh, shout out to Nate Thompson. I know you're listening to this podcast right now. Great career. And uh, Connor has a game you stick of Nate Thompson. Fun fact. So, that's your fun fact for the day. We'll see if Connor uh, texts me about this one. He won't. Yeah, my best friend's a Flyers fan. And throughout the bubble, and then even in 21, 22, when he was on the Flyers, we, we would always joke about Nate Dog, Nate Thompson. And he wound up playing 16 playoff games for the Flyers. There's not many players that play, like, you know, under under 10 games for a team and then play a ton of playoff games for him. I know the COVID thing, you know, the COVID playoffs um, impacted it, but he played seven games before uh, the bubble for the Flyers, and they played 16 games in the bubble. So, you know, an Islander legend and a adversary of the team <laughs> in the postseason. So uh, love and respect to the Nate Dog. I'm a big Nate Thompson fan. Uh, you know, ha- have a fun retirement, and uh, I'm pretty sure I'll listen to an interview of his at some point because that guy looks like he has a ton of stories. Yeah, I he's always been a solid fourth line bottom bottom six guy. Solid career and really not much more we could say, can we? It's Nate Thompson, the Nate Dog. The uh better Nate Dog. I think it's time to get into the RFAs. So we'll start off with a smaller one in Jacob Scarrick. He's who signed a pretty interesting deal. For uh, an NHL value, it was $1.5 million AAV if he plays in the NHL, which for that reason, he more than likely will not. How many years was the deal? Two years? I believe it was two years, if someone can confirm. 
Yeah, it was two years. Um, so there were some early reports out that he has kept his qualifying offer. It appears he has not taken his QL. We took a two-year contract, so he's going to be on the Islanders on a two-year, two-way deal. I think I'm pulling up the cap-friendly number now. I believe it's 775. It could be a little yeah, over it's that. It's not breaking the bank. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of people speculating that he might go to Europe because obviously with Barlamov signing a four-year deal, there's kind of no pathway for this guy to, you know, be a part of the Islanders. So I was like, oh, he might go to Europe. He might not want to be here. He might play elsewhere. And that turned out to not be true. He's here for two more years. Um, kind of been struggling in Bridgeport. Uh, goes against average above three. Um, for his whole tenure, um, 3.50 when he started, 3.30, and then 3.37 last year. Um, starting to play more games, uh, 37 last year, and now with Corey Schneider gone, he's probably going to be given uh, the reins as the full-time starter, so hopefully he improves. Um, turns 24 in August, nope, uh, November. Um, so environment goes down, I mean, this is going to be the guy who's called up, and um, hope he works with Mitch Corner a little bit this summer and try and get better because this is our third boy right now. But um, like we talked about, he is blocked by Varlamov right now. So nothing too crazy, but he is staying in the honors and he's not going to Europe. 775000 as we mentioned. I wouldn't take Skarik stats and be too afraid by them, especially under the uh, the Brent Thompson era. I think he deserves a fresh slate, to say the least. I think he could be a very good goalie. Maybe not very good NHL standard, but maybe fine backup and, you know, very good in that sense. If he takes over Varlamov's role, that means the Islanders have something really good in Skarik, so I wouldn't complain. And if he's still around by the time Varlamov's done in maybe three, two or three, even four years, if he plays off that contract, the role will be his. He'll be more than ready for it if he's willing to wait. But I think he might be able to battle Varlamov out in two to three years to actually become the backup goalie for the New York Islanders. So we'll see how he develops under the new head coach, which we'll get into later. A little bit later. I'm happy with the move, and I know Ryan also had that idea that idea of him taking away that spot from Varlamov at a pretty good cap hit. So if the team really trusts him and really likes the player, for a cheap cap hit for like $1.5 million, it's worth the risk if we have to get to that point, which I don't think we will, though. Yeah, I mean, like, it's a really cheap deal. I I don't mind Skerrick. Um, I trusted him as a backup to Corey last year. We're going to lose Corey. Let's let him be the organizational three. I know a lot of people are kind of on the bird app asking, who can we go outside the organization and get a three? I mean, you know, the Rangers are giving pretty much NHL money to Jonathan Quick to come in and be their backup goalie. I don't think it's really worth giving, you know, if we have, we're in a situation where Sorokin goes down, the team's probably screwed at that point. If we go in a situation where Varlamov goes down, I think Skarik's, you know, a perfectly fine like two or three game replacement. And if he breaks out, that's you know a blessing for the Islanders organization. Like they're in a really good place if Skarik breaks out. If he doesn't break out, I mean, we still have Lennox in the pipeline. who was a very high pick a couple of years back. He's been underwhelming. Um, Skarik, you know, he, he's a very average AHL goalie. He might even be on the worst side. 
But the defense in front of him in Bridgeport and the system by Brent Thompson wasn't doing him any favors. So I, I'm still optimistic that this guy could be an NHL player. You don't see too many goalies drafted in the first three rounds completely flame out. You see him in the NHL in some capacity. Um, but, you know, it, it's a good problem to have when a 2018 third-round pick is your organizational three. And, you know, the roadblock that was Corey Schneider is now kind of out of the way, even though we all love Corey here. But he was kind of blocking this guy from getting the low share of AHL games so you know we'll, we'll let Scarrett cook this year under the new coach it'll be an interesting season um, hopefully the defense in front of him improves because watching those Bridgeport games they left their goalies on an island a lot of nights last year ironic for a team named the Bridgeport Islanders I don't know if you're trying to allude to that or not but uh, I'll slam dunk it either way with the terrible pun the other deal Oliver Wallstrom Oliver Wallstrom's back for one year at a weird cap hit of 874k or something like that, right, Jake? Yeah, according to cap friendly, 874,000, uh, 874,125, which is weird. It's like not 875, not 900,000, but that is uh, the cap hit right now. Um, it is his QO. Um, you know, I was expecting more, but also not totally surprised because, like, you know, he got hurt at the end of the year. Um, Ended off struggling a little bit um, at like 16 points, whatever it was. So this is a perfect deal. There's there's no way around it. Um, hopefully he wants to stay here because obviously, like we covered a few episodes ago, he um, there might be a trade request. So if he wants to be here, I'm very happy about this deal. Like not too much money, and hopefully uh, he proves us all wrong and has a really good year. And I'll gladly pay him the money he wants next year. I was expecting two years by like 1.3 million so seeing this it was very interesting i was very happy with it because like you said it's a prove it deal if he breaks out he could make a lot of money after this year which is a little concerning but we'll see he needs to actually do that and that's a good problem to have obviously and the cap will be going up so we'll worry about that when it comes to that later down the road I like the player, obviously. I think he could be a very good piece for the New York Islanders. And if you're going to win a Stanley Cup, you need Oliver Wallstrom to be one of your key contributors. Maybe not key, but one of uh, you know, one of the more solid players within your roster right now within the next two to three years at a cheap deal. you got to bank on these guys making 800 k making under $2 million to really entice your cap situation. To allow yourself to have the Bo Horvats and Matt Barzals and still have depth down in the maybe middle six, we'll say. I think Washington would be a first liner this year. I don't think anyone would be shocked if he started off there. I know you just put Barzal left wing, which is a little bit interesting considering he played right wing with uh, Horvat. I don't know. I'm not. Maybe Washington could play left wing too. I'm not too sure on that. But having Walsham really break out would be a very nice thing to see as a New York Islander fan. Oliver Wallstrom has signed, you know, a deal that puts him in the Aaron Judge seat for the New York Islanders. That's how I like to think of this here. So he basically has one year on his deal now, and he's betting that he's going to break out. The Islanders could have easily given this guy, you know, a couple years contract. It seems like the relationship there has taken some kind of a hit. I know I trust Elliot Friedman's word more than anyone, you know, pretty much anyone else on the planet. Uh, but I trust whatever Elliot says. And when Elliot, like, passingly mentioned that Wally might want out, 
I assume that meant Wally wanted out and his agent was floating something to Elliot. But Wally committed to the Islanders on a one-year deal and he's looking to get paid his money next year. You know, this would have been a perfect time for the Islanders. And I'm not faulting Lou here because if the agent and Wallstrom couldn't come to the same agreement that with Lou, you know, it would have been a perfect time to give Wallstrom like a one, you know, $1.5 million by three-year deal, try to get a very low-value contract. But Wallstrom decided to take, you know, half that money to bet on himself. And, you know, he's going to have to go off this season. He, I liked his game this year. I know we've, it's been a hot topic on the podcast and even in our group chats talking to each other. How good was Wallstrom this year? I like the two-way game he added. I think he does still have a goal scorer's touch. I think he has a long-range shot that, or long-range wrist shot that not many of our guys have. It's just sometimes the guy's dumb. Like, you know, he's, he's dumb as rock sometimes. So it's difficult to fully, you know, see him and what he's going to be at the NHL level. But if he comes back from this injury, like, you know, at his full strength, he could be awesome this year and he could be a $5 million player. And that would be the best problem this organization's ever had if he's a $5 million player after the season. Like, you know, Wally, bet on yourself. Go for it this year. Score as many goals as you can. Go crazy. Like, we'll give him, we'll probably give him first line minutes within the first month or some power play one. It'll be interesting to see what he does, but like I'm, I'm really excited to see what Wallstrom does on this one-year deal betting on himself. And if he flops, you throw him in a trade at the deadline, and then we cut our ties because apparently the relationship might be a little toxic, according to Elliot. Yeah. I'm excited. Sorry, you got uh, Yeah, so Ryan is saying that Oliver Wallstrom is not smarter than a sixth grader. Breaking news. Big if true? Maybe. But Jake, take it away. Yeah, man, I'm excited. Uh, I like. I remember watching his post game presser. He was like saying next year he wants to be a power forward. He wants to throw the body, but he also like noted he wants to score more. And like you said, we've been saying this since he was drafted. He has that shot. He has that lethal shot. Could he be this sniper? Obviously, he was at he was with Barzell at the beginning of the year. Didn't really work entirely. Could they put him back there? Maybe. Um, we'll see what happens there. But could he be this power forward who? Scores 20, 25 goals. We'll have to see, but it's a perfect deal. And like we said, hopefully he wants to be here uh, to start the year. And if not, you know, we're going to have to cut our ties, let him loose, and he'll score 50 goals anywhere else, I'm sure. I'm glad you caught that power forward line there, Jake, because, like, this team kind of has enough power forwards. That that was a little bit concerning. I, I listened to the presser back just like you did. And, like, you know, Anders Lee is one of the better power forwards in the National Hockey League. I think that's fair to say, you know, as a net front guy. Yeah. Um, o Horvat's definitely a power forward. We need Oliver Wallstrom to be like, you know, we, we need him to fill into more of that, like, you know, rangy shooter role, which is something he does well. But I, I thought that was a little interesting that he called himself a power forward because I was like, oh, we can't have, we can't have enough of those. I, I disagree with Horvat. I think calling him a power forward is kind of underrating or undervaluing his game. I think he's more of a two-way forward and then a very elite two-way forward with his presence being so, so, so impactful in the defensive zone as well as putting, what was it, 38 goals this year. I think Horvath's going to have a great year. I wouldn't really call him a power forward. I would call more Lee and Paul Mary power forward. Like, Paul Mary's just a weird player in general, and I love him for that. Because he could do it all. Uh, Lee's a straight power forward, though he's one of the best in the business. I think after all my uh, podcasts of slandering Lee, I finally have 
I'm starting to get excited to watch Anders Lee play hockey again. I think he's going to be a big piece, and if he can be a really big piece, we're in a, for a real good season. We'll break that down maybe in another episode, but I've been listening back to some older episodes. I'm like, you know what? We're going to give Anders Lee a new rope, a new leash. I think he's going to be very good wherever he plays. Because I feel like last episode was a little bit too hard on him, saying he's like a washed third liner. He can still play in the first or second line. He still has the foot speed to keep up. Maybe not entirely keep up with Barzal, but he could still be a solid player. I feel like I was a little bit too too rough on him last episode, so I wanted to apologize to our captain. I'll accept on Andres Lee's behalf. And yeah, when I said Horvat's a power forward, that was more the role he played in Vancouver. We deployed him as a 2A forward. I think that's a good catch on your end. And yeah, Palms is absolutely really weird, where some nights it looks like he's you know the most lethal scorer in the National Hockey League, and then the next night he'll be setting goalie screens and doing all this weird stuff. So, um, you know, Palms is going to be a big piece of the offense. And I, I would hope Palms is able to pass some stuff down to Wally um, on this role, because I think if Wally Wallstrom becomes like a player like Paul Mary was as peak. I take that every day of the week, twice on Sunday. Oh, 100%. 100%. I love Kyle Palmieri so much. I Just the way he plays is awesome. I think Wallstrom does have a lot of similar traits with a much better wrist shot. I'm not saying Palmieri's shot's bad by any means, but Wallstrom's shot, like you said, is very lethal and out of this world when he harnesses it and uses it. We'll see what he can do, but he does bring that, I guess, you using the uh, term chip on his shoulder. He plays with an edge out there. He's physical like Palmieri. Palmieri would be a perfect mentor for mentor, excuse me, for Oliver Wallstrom. I really could see that working out. I see they do play similar similar styles. I think Palmieri's a little bit more tougher than Wallstrom, but Wallstrom's still a kid, so you gotta give him time to really grow into an, grow into his own body, into his own skin and feel more comfortable as an everyday NHL player, which hopefully he will be this year. Yeah, I mean, not to oversell Wally this season, but I'm starting to see, like, a little bit of, you know, not Tom Wilson quite yet, but, like, little Brad Marchand in there. Like, he was he was being a piece of shit, but he was also, sorry if there's kids listening, but he was, he was no, being a bit, a bit of a dirtbag while, uh, you know, also putting uh, up some points on the score sheet. Um, and that I appreciate about Wally's game. He, he's, like, a very diet, like, a zero-calorie version of that player. But if that's the player he wants to be in this league, Go for it. I think that guy fits in really well with the Islanders as well. A top six dirt bag who also could get um, you know get twenty or thirty goals. I would take that every day of the week. Uh, the term you're looking for is pesky here, Ryan. Pesky. Yeah, not not pesky. I mean pest, right? Like no, it doesn't no. Be annoying. Pesky, pesky works. Pesky, pesky Isles works. I mean, yeah, like pesky Isles. Pesky Come on, is like persist. In my opinion, pesky always meant persistent islanders are like the they're always they're like a gnat i'm talking about like a rat like someone who's just gonna piss the other team off by just existing yeah i i've always looked at pesky as pain in the ass to play against and you know kind of like that rat mentality you could go either way i don't think they're the wrong option but like always with pajot pajot was a pesky isle he's the one that kind of donned the term so that's how i always looked at it yeah, and um, so, like, let's say the season starts today. Or if you have to slot one in on the third line, would you take Gaudier or would you take Wallstrom? Uh, both should be playing, but Wallstrom, obviously, because he has a higher ceiling. I do think both should be in over Martin Clutterbuck, and obviously Hudson Fashing has to play. So there's going to be some moves to be made. Aren't we over the cap by, like, 0.2 million right now? 
We might not be. Yes and no. So, like, as the cap guy on the pod, I mean, what the Islanders can do to get under the cap, I know this is a little concerning for people. So, the cap for next season is $83.5 million. Uh, the Islanders are at $84.5 million, so they're exactly $1 million over when we're recording this. Um, if they make a big trade, they could go further over. But basically what the Islanders would have to do is they'd either have to send Kunakel down. So... Uh, not Kunaka, what the hell, Kuhlman. <laughs> that, that was crazy. Uh, but they'd have to send Qu- Carson Kuhlman, um, the new free agent. I mean, I'd probably do that like 10 times on the podcast. Oh, I guess. Yeah, hundreds of times even. But Carson Kuhlman um, also went there hanging his number to the rafters at UBS Arena will also do it. But Carson Kuhlman, if they send him down, they're going to be under the cap. Um, if they send, uh, what's his name, Ross Johnson, if they waive Ross Johnson, which it looks like they're going to do with all the skill they added, um, if they waive Ross, they're going to be under the cap. If they waive even either of Martin or Clutterbuck or trade them, they're going to be under the cap. Uh, they still have a position where they're going to be, you know, they could run a 23-man NHL roster and be under the cap. They just have to pick one guy to send down to the minors, which is good. We, we love competitive training camps. This is really funny. Uh, so I'm just on Twitter, and I see that the NHL Public Relations tweeted about Bo Horvat and his return game, which will be November 15th against our New York Islanders in Vancouver. I want to read you some of the comments here. Worst caption in franchise history. I'll tell you that for free. Uh, someone else commented Messier was worse under that. Going to be an interesting night. Tickets are going for 125 I would love to go to this game, honestly. If there's a way I can pull this off, I think I might have to do it, wearing a Bo Horvat Islander jersey. Not to even go there and troll people. I just want to see what it's going to be like for Bo. It might be a little yeah, bit hostile. Yeah, we'll work on that. I, I like this idea. Well, we'll let us cook. We'll, we'll figure it out. But, uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of uh, big, mad Canucks fans in the comments, which uh, served them right. They haven't made the playoffs in many, many seasons, unlike New York Islander Bo Horvat. Yeah. Play that for free. Yeah, you can tell us that for free. Uh, should we move on to the new AHL head coach? Yes, sir. So, like, to the, you know, kind of assumption of many people, uh, the Islanders appointed Rick Kowalski, Bridgeport Islanders head coach. So, status report, Rick Kowalski, as the Penguins of Madagascar said. And uh, this was, you know, pretty easy to see coming. Kowalski entered the organization over, I believe it was in 2022, um, kind of last summer. I, I don't know if we picked up on this as an AHL head co- or AHL assistant. So, it was assist- assisting Thompson. But um, Lou brought him on to the Albany Devils. He also brought him into the e- ECHL franchise for the uh, the Devils at some point. Um, he's worked under Lou for like 10 years. He's worked three years at the NHL level as an assistant coach. He's worked one year at the AHL level as an assistant coach with Bridport. And then he took the reins from Brent Thompson. So, you know, I, I've looked through the teams. He didn't really bring up too, too much talent in his time as an AHL coach for the Devils. Um, some notable names like, you know, uh, Adam Henrique, but a lot of guys who just kind of flopped at the NHL net level, which is fine. The Devils didn't have a great prospect pool, but, you know, um, my, my kind of moral of the story here is it's not Brent Thompson, so it's fine, but it's an interesting hire, and he's, you know, he's 51 years old. He can still grow. He can still develop as a coach. I'm, I'm kind of excited by the hire. What about you guys? It certainly is a coach in the sport of hockey. I don't know much about him. I'm not going to say much about him. It's a fresh face to say the... Maybe not the freshest of faces, but it's a new face, a new voice as the main guy. We'll see what happens. 
I don't have much to say here. Yeah, it's not Brent Thompson. Uh, obviously, like Ryan said, he was with the Devils uh, organization before. He was our assistant for two years. Um, he won the Lewis Pierre Memorial Award, which is given to the coach. Of the, it's like the Jack Adams of the AHL. He won that in 2016. Um, they were really good that year. Uh, he When he coached the EC, in the ECHL as well, he won the John Brophy Award as the top coach in 2009. And he's even an ECHL Hall of Fame member. Uh, he was inducted there. In 20, uh, 2017, the Hall of Fame. Can't tell you much about the guy. He had his uh, media availability uh, six days ago, according to the website. Couldn't really catch it, but I know he talked about Maggio and Ishikov and young players are going to have down there. But like I said, not Brent Thompson. Uh, higher, we all saw coming. I saw some people were like, it's going to be Josh Bailey. Like, come on. Uh, Rick, uh, status report, Kowalski, um, and we'll see how it goes. And maybe Bridgeport will actually be successful. Yeah, I heard about, I mean, like, you know, you know, I heard about that he might be the target a couple days before. And I was like, that's very exciting because Brent Thompson barely made the playoffs. And Bridgeport is a guy who, in the AHL, in his 40s, which is pretty young for a coach, he made the playoffs three out of his seven years with the Devils, then went and got NHL experience. Um, apparently, uh, I might mess misspoke there, but he's been a Bridgeport uh, assistant for two years now. Uh, but it, it's gonna be interesting. I mean, he was the best coach in the AHL for one year. We'll see what can happen. You know, let's say the worst possible scenario happens and the Islanders have to move on from Lane early in the season. This might be a guy ready to take the NHL reins. We'll see what happens in Bridgeport this year. He he's 52. I mean, or 51. His birthday's a day after mine, March 20th. Uh, but he's 51. He'll be 51 until next March. You know, a young coaching prospect. We'll see what happens. Um, it's kind of exciting. I, I kind of like the hire. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm pretty excited to see what happens. But, you know, I can't say I was watching too much of the Albany Devils or Binghamton Devils uh, through the mid-2010. So uh, that's all I really have to say about that. I definitely want to go and catch a few games, and hopefully this guy does well because he has some very good prospects on his hand. With I know he's not the goalie coach, but with Scarrick, with possibly Bo Duke if he's not on the team, maybe Isaiah George if he's ready. I don't know where he's going to be. Maybe Ka- uh, Cali Odelius. And then obviously the two big fish we have in William Dufour and Matt Maggio. I was looking at the stats today. Dufour had such a great year in the AHL. I know we all had high hopes for him, and he actually did very well. His skating is still an issue, but he produced. That's all we can really ask for him at the end of the day. Yes, you do want to see the traits and the work ethic and all this build up, which will happen over time, hopefully. But I'm very happy with how he did in his first year in the, the uh, professional setting. And Maggio's just a gamer. I'm so excited to see how he does. And I'm very excited about the 32nd ranked prospect pool by um the nhl network i really don't care personally that was a big tweet today i know people were pissed and talking about that i know talking as long island and new york as it can get but i really don't care we haven't had a first round pick in a few years now we keep trading them for guys that are nhl talents and we're hitting on our late round picks who cares we have do four and maggio ready Maybe they're not the biggest and best names. We don't need them to be. We need them to be guys that can just fill in middle six wing spots within a year or two. And they probably will do that. We got Danny Nelson coming in too. We'll see what he can do. 
I really like the Islanders prospect pool for the first time in probably my entire life. Or maybe not my entire life. Probably since the Walsh from Dobson draft. They're good. It's fine. Like, I know a couple of years ago when the uh, the Islanders kind of stunk in 2021, 22, uh, you know, the big thing was let the kids play. There was no kids. Uh, those kids stunk. All those, the best of those kids was Sebastian. Now, now we have a pretty good, you know, some guys that no one, I think, in our system is going to be an NHL star, but there's some middle sixers down there. I mean, Durandu, I think, kind of rocks. He's, he's very fun to watch play. Uh, Dufour, I think, kind of rocks. He had a hell of a year in the AHL. We'll see if that tape converts to the NHL. Uh, Maggio, hell of tape in juniors. I'm excited to see what he does next. Let him cook. I mean, Prospect rankings are the dumbest shit. None of these guys know anything. If they knew anything, they'd be hired by teams. These guys who prospect rank NHL guys, either by model or by pro scouting, they're idiots. I, I don't trust a damn thing they say. I mean, you know, that that's the nicest way I could put it. I think the people who model prospects basically do it by, like, height, weight, and what league they're playing in. I think that's the dumbest thing of all time. Um, if you ever see charts on prospects on Twitter, it's the most annoying thing. It always drives me nuts because, like, you can't model anything. There's no XG in the OHL or, you know, any of the junior leagues. There's no expected goals, um, you know, if you're not familiar with the term. There's no way to do analytics within those minor leagues at this moment. So they're just saying, like, if a guy gets 90 points in the OHL as a 19-year-old, there's a 50% chance it gets in the NHL. Like, thanks, dude. It doesn't fucking help anyone. Um, I think our system, you know, we're probably in the bottom 10 systems in the league, but there's a lot of exciting guys there, and we'll see what they can do. I I think one or two guys are going to make it interesting at camp and come up at some point in the season. I think Dufour, you know, probably plays 10 games at the NHL level this year. And I'm excited to see what the whole team does as a whole down there. Also, uh, sorry. Also, I just wanted to mention Ruslan Ishikov. Yeah, Ishikov's awesome, too. I, f- I forgot to mention him. But um, did you see Chris Terry's quote Chris today? Terry. I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. yeah. Most talented players he's ever played with. And he's played, like, you know, not a lot of NHL games, but, like, a lot of uh, seasons, you know, professionally. Most talented players I've ever seen. Could he be the first line left wing this year? I don't know. Probably not. But um, he'll be up. Relatively soon. Back to do for, um, for I know we're talking about just his season and how he needs to work on skating. But no matter how you look at it, for a fifth round pick in his first professional season to get forty eight points in your like first pro season, that's like a big deal. And every game, like every like clip that Bridgeport tweeted of his goals, I mean, just very good shot. I just you know I hope the skating can progress at the next level because. You're looking at a really decent middle six forward. Um, and just really hope he can work on his skating because that's the main thing right now. Very excited for Maggio. Obviously, he's going to be in the AHL this year. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that could, you know, be there at the next level. I really don't care about these prospect rankings. NHL Network did not see the Jesse Nurmi video. That they did not. Ryan, anything else to add before we wrap up the uh, AHL segment of this wonderful podcast in July? No, I mean, like, you know, I I said my piece on NHL prospecting, but it's not baseball. In baseball prospects or football prospects, you have, like, 
very good data to work off when judging prospects. And the NHL is, is just that boy nice. It's, it's just like a guy going up to like some random town in Canada that no one's ever heard of and writing down their notepad. That guy is good at hockey and then putting his stats up. Uh, I know the Athletic did their top 128 prospects in the NHL and they decided to say like no Islanders made this list, which I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. If they don't think any Islanders are on there, that's whatever. And then they go, but honorable, me- or they said honorable mentions and then underneath they were said also considered for this list was like Sam Bolduc, um, William Dufour, Matt Maggio, guys like that. And I was like, isn't that technically an honorable mention if you kind of think about it? Like if they weren't honorably mentioned, they'd be off the list. It was this whole stupid thing. I I don't like guys who scout um, NHL prospects because I really don't think there's, you know, much to go off of besides like vibes and is this guy like, does he look like he has an NHL game? It's frustrating. I, I really think ho- hockey prospecting is the most overrated thing in the world. Um, I know AJ is the card collector of the pro- podcast might disagree, but I think the people who do it for a living are kind of like, you know, they uh, they kind of sniff their own farts on stuff like this where they really go over the top and are like, oh, no, this guy's going to be the next big thing in the NHL. And then, like, Quinn and Byfield winds up being, like, you know, a 2C or a 3C. Like, none of it really matters at the end of the day. To be fair with cards, they don't really do prospect cards that much, whereas baseball they do. Hockey's mainly rookie year, and also respect Quinton Byfield. Yeah, yeah, no, I, Byfield's going to be a 2C or a 3C. I was just saying, like, you know, he's, he's fine. He's not, like, what they you know, could the could be. I think Byfield's going to take a pretty big step this year. I'm really hoping. I really like the player a lot. I know them getting uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois hurt those hopes I did have a little bit, but we'll see. I like Byfield. He has unicorn potential. I don't think he'll live up to and it, And extending Kopitar. Yeah, but you have to extend Kopitar if he wants to play, obviously. He's your franchise's best center, not named Gretzky. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I get it. You know, not an L.A. Kings podcast, but they're going to be really good at hockey this year. I know some models aren't high on them right now, but uh, might be pounding the over there. Uh, not a gambling podcast either, but they are uh, they look like they're going to be a really good team in the West this year. Oh, I 100% agree with you. Well, second, I get to Pennsylvania. Ooh, baby, the odds of actually being able to gamble on futures will be fun and bad and scary. Enough gambling, enough <laughs> L.A. Kings talk. Islanders trade rumors. So we all know that Peugeot has been talked about a lot, maybe a little too much, some would say. And Rosner put out the other day that potentially he was hearing that there was a, there was once talk for a DeBrusque for Peugeot trade as a basis. And then he said that also it's not going to happen within the same tweet or a tweet after. Could someone that was on Twitter during this whole ex- exchange excuse me, break this down? Hey everyone. Um, so basically, the thing with uh, this Rosner um, threw out basically kind of like I know there's a rumor out there that you know there could be a DeBrusque for Pacho trade. It is interesting. I don't think the Islanders are really too interested. And then, you know, some Boston-based writers came back and were like, no, this isn't a thing. And then Rosner was like, oh, I know it's not a thing. It, it isn't a thing. We're just speculating. Uh, they caught the world on fire for a couple minutes. I think the trade's interesting. I mean, AJ, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, you look at DeBrusque, and I I don't know who made this point, but someone made the point that he had his highest time on ice this year, 
and he had his best year. With the Islanders, he would get obviously more power play minutes, more uh, first line minutes, more time on ice. So maybe playing alongside Barzal and Horvat would help him grow his game even further to the next level. Obviously, losing Pajot is a massive loss, and anyone saying it isn't is underselling JG Pajot. Pa- losing Pajot would suck, but getting DeBrusque would be really awesome and probably really vital for the team, having maybe a more finished product, in a sense. But either way, I'm kind of happy if we don't get DeBrusque, and if we do get DeBrusque, just don't overpay. So if you get rid of Pajot, you have to get a replacement for Pajot, and uh, Nosek is off the board now, just signed with the Devils. So that's one guy you could have looked at, maybe a 3 or 4C, move Sezikis up. I don't know who's still even out there. So it's going to get a little bit more interesting. I wouldn't hate it, though. Yeah, I was a, I was a big big fan of the the trade. I mean, I one of my better friends um, is a Bruins fan, and they've been trying to trade DeBrusque for years. I was big in on if we wanted to trade like Beauvillier for DeBrusque. I thought that could have been good. Um, now, if we're looking down the barrel, Pajot Pajot plays a very important role on this team, so I I wouldn't quite trade him for DeBrusque. I think Pajot still like, you know, it, it was one of those trades where if you asked a Bruins fan, would you do this? trade they said no and if you ask an islanders fan would they do this trade they said no which means it's probably a good trade for both sides they just don't want to give up the player they like um you know debrusque would do or pajo would do great in boston debrusque would be you know exactly what we need on the first line it's very interesting i'm excited to see like you know it is a creative trade idea i'd like to see more of these throughout the summer but very very low chance i think it happens unless you know bergeron and craig retire which you know i could see one i don't think both are gonna retire i think both might be gone honestly but still even if that does happen i don't think they both come back or um not both come back i don't think they might even still do that trade so i don't know i think it could be a decent option very good option obviously Obviously, everyone, uh, saying obviously a lot now. People want Nylander. Why wouldn't you? He's really, really good. Not happening unless Dobson goes the other way, which it's possible. I just see this team the way it is running it, quote-unquote running it back. If we're calling this running it back, run it back every year, because this summer's been very good to the Islanders. The team looks really good, really healthy, and in a decent spot right now. And they're going to prove anyone doubting them wrong going into next year. This team from 2023 opening or 2023-24 opening night is so much better than the team we iced last year. And Jake made that point last podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you just look at on paper. I know a lot of people don't like the idea of running it back, but it is is an improved hockey team and nobody can disagree with that. Like, there's, There's no point you can bring and talk about to make me disagree that this isn't a better team. Um, to DeBrusque, um, I don't think the rumor is true. As Roger said, it's not true. Would I do it? Maybe. I mean, he scored 25 or more in the past two years. I think he did it a different year as well. He scored 27 in 2018 as well. Um, so if you get him, you obviously bring kind of a 20, 25 goal scorer, which is good. But at that same token, you're losing Pajot, who's – very valuable to us as a third liner. And, and if you don't make the trade done, you can keep Pajot. That, that's a good thing. Like It's not 
a bad thing that we couldn't find a trade partner for Pajot. Like, we still keep him. Um, every asset that he brings as our third liner, we still have. I think he's going to have a better year. We brought this up last week. I think he has a better year. Um, him in a down year last year, still had a pretty solid year. So if he does a little bit better, I think we feel a lot better about him and, you know, the money we give him. So I, I know you talked about running it back there, Jake. Here's a big question to you as the Zach guy of the podcast. Would you run it back with the roster we've assembled to this point? I mean, I've read through Luke Fox uh, jukebox um, of Sportsnet's article, and he said that, per, I don't know if this is new news, he said Parise is still torn between retirement or going one more year. This might be new news for, like, he might have got an update or this could just be status quo with Zach. But would you make another spot on this roster for Zach Parise, or do you just are you comfortable running it back at this point? If he wants to come back, I would. It's, and it doesn't even matter if I wouldn't lose said if he comes back, he would. Um, Zach scored 20, 20 goals last year. He's still going to bring some value. I know he's getting a year older, obviously. But he's still going to bring a lot of importance to this team. And they're going to have to figure out how to make that roster spot work. Because obviously, you know, you can't move Gauthier. He's on a one-year deal, a one-way deal. So you're going to have to make it work. But, you know, lose said he'll, he'll make the roster spot um, open for him and make the move if necessary. So, you know, I just think you have to hear Zach out. If he wants to come back, you make it work. If he doesn't, it's still a really good team regardless. I disagree. I really don't. Zach's a great player. There's no reason that we should be having to make all these moves. And I think he should be in the lineup or in the on the roster over Martin, Clutterbuck, Ross Johnston, Julian Gauthier, I'll have that debate either way. I don't think there's a loser in that side. I don't think they should be making all these moves to bring back Zach Parisi. He, If he comes back as the 13th forward, fine. That's perfect. I don't see them getting rid of Martin, Clutterbuck, and Johnston, though. I think one of them will still be in the lineup no matter what. Well, not Ross, obviously, but I think one of Martin and Clutterbuck will be in the lineup next year. You can't have Zach Parisi taking over a spot from Hudson Fashing, uh, Walshram, Simon Holmstrom. There's not that many spots left up for grabs. And playing Zach Parisi, I know very good player still. He's not going to be here for more than another year. So at that point, you're seeing another good year possibly out of Zach Parisi. Or you could possibly find your future third liner in a guy like Ishikov, a guy like Gauthier, a guy like Simon Holmstrom, who could be a piece for the organization for the next decade to come. I love Zach, and I if he's back as a 13th forward, I'm happy. I really don't want him playing over one of the younger guys, because that kind of, it really has to be a great year for Zach Parisi, or else he's just kind of hurting someone's development one way or another. I guess if Ishikov's getting top-line minutes in the first, um, in the AHL, it's not the end of the world. But Zach needs to have another really good year, which is very possible it could happen. But I don't really want to see him playing more than Simon Holmstrom, who should be here for a lot longer. And this is a very big developmental year for uh, Simon. Yeah, I like Zach. He's my friend. If he wants to stick around, we'll find room for him. But uh, so it's curious at this point. I think all signs point to he's retired. I don't think it's like worth too much debate here. I think Zach will come out towards the beginning of the season and announce he retired. Uh, but if he wants to come back, 
you know, I'm I'm completely cool cutting Carson Coleman to have Zach slot in as a 13th forward or, you know, even put him on the third line most nights as long as we get assurance the fourth line is a game run back. I just don't see that happening. Also, Coleman's going to be an AHL guy. I don't know why you keep saying he's an NHLer. He's going to be sent down At like a moment, Cholo. If you do a 23-man roster, Carson Coleman's on the AHL roster. Is he really? I don't see that really happening. No, I don't. I don't think so. I read no. Over Ross, you don't think he's over Ross? No, definitely not. I think with, he's in Lou's with this eyes, organization. I don't think he's over Ross. No, there's no way. Ross Johnson is he? The he never leaves. Yeah, he's in. I think be Carson one Coleman got guy. some kind of assurance to sign here at league minimum that he would be on the NHL roster. I don't think he would have signed here if he didn't have that. I'm putting him over Ross. I don't think Lou is. I, he's not going to be over Ross. He's not going to be over. Shouldn't be over Gauthier. Not over Clutterbuck or Martin with the organization. I think he's a good player. I just think he's going to get the best chance with the AHL squad. Saying, "Look, look what Hudson Fashion did last year. If you could replicate that, the spot's yours on on the NHL roster. Maybe that's why." Good depth. Great. Depth. Yeah, good depth. That my I know what Jake and you are trying to say here, AJ, but, you know, if, if you do this logically, he play, he slots in over Ross. If you do it like Islanders logic, you know, Ross takes the spot. But if you do a 23-man roster by pretty much anyone but the Boomer's opinion, he's on the roster right now because, like, he's better than Ross. I don't even, I mean, maybe just, maybe. I don't even know how the roster... I guess he's either 23 or 24. I don't know. He's right there. It'll be fun training camp. Yeah, it should be a good one. Draft time? Uh, we got Tarasenko on deck quick. Um, this shouldn't be more than a minute or two, but uh, apparently, according to Elliot Friedman this morning, I didn't really see the full report. Um, you know, he just said Tarasenko is not a good match for the Islanders. I don't know what side that's on, but um, yeah, no, I'm I'm okay missing out on Tarasenko at this point. If we're gonna go for a fish, go for a bigger fish um, or a younger fish. I kind of, you know, I, I know we all wanted him before the the off season, but he's going through a lot of kind of drama right now between agents and not picking a team. Uh, he should just pick a team. He doesn't need all that Ranger melodrama, but whatever. We'll, we'll see what he does, but I don't think he's going to be on Long Island. Yeah, he was on NHL tonight, and the quote was, a lot of Islander fans have been sending me notes about Tarasenko. You know, Lou, God love him. He's not going to tell me anything. One thing I heard... Um, was it was not a match? I do think they're looking for another score. Yes, absolutely, but no Tarasenko. So yeah, it is what it is. I'm not really too fussed about it. We kind of expected that, and like I said, I'd rather have a better player or a younger player. The only way I get mad is if he takes like a league men back with the Rangers, um, or like an under two million. But he should still get a sizable amount of money from Ottawa or, you know, uh, you know, Ottawa or Carolina. Um, I, I don't think there's any reason for him to not get some money, but it, it seems like the market for Tarasenko, like, you know, Dumba is kind of doing his thing where he needs to get a deal. Patrick Kane isn't negotiating until, 
um, you know, fucked if I know January. And then Tarasenko is just like, here, someone signed me for $4 million and no one's bit yet. It, it's a bit of a weird situation. Well, Kane has to sign, like, not maybe in September, maybe October. He has to sign by December, obviously, so. We'll is see. it December? I thought it was the no, trade it's December. December? All right, he could play it out. I don't think he will. Apparently, he's been doing pretty good with his recovery. I saw a video of him the other day. He looks good. So, I mean, I could see him taking a cheap contract to go back to the Rangers. I think Tarasenko would be an idiot to go back to the Rangers for under $2 million. I know a lot of uh, Ranger fans that I talked to have been saying it might happen. I don't believe it at all, and hopefully it doesn't happen because I will hate him so much if it does. I could see him going to Arizona for some reason just for, you know... Go there for a year and get flipped at the deadline. Yeah, get that power play one time, brother. I mean, we'll uh, we'll get you at the deadline if you're good enough. But uh, it's interesting, you know. I mean, he was honestly Vladimir Tarasenko. I feel like his whole career, the whole NHL, has never really been on the Tarasenko wave. I know the Blues have tried to trade him a few times. He's a Stanley Cup winner. He's a great goal scorer, great point getter. It's just, like, been a very weird career, right? Like, that this guy was never really considered, like... I know he's, like, not never been a top 10 player in the league, but he's always been, like, top 30. And, like, even at this point, people act like, you know, he's a $4 million player. It still feels like he's a little bit over that. Like, he's a pretty damn good player, and he never really got the respect he deserves. I'd say four and a half to five, but we'll see what he gets. It's, it's a weird league. That's right. Uh, draft time? Yeah. Uh, one thing about Tarasenko, it's kind of like he should be making like Kyle Lowry money compared to the rest of his, uh, I guess, competitors or, you know, the players in the league. I feel like him and Kyle Lowry are a decent comparison, like, overall, I guess overall-wise. Does that make sense? Like, you know, never the highest of superstars, but always a very good player for a very long time. I don't think Tarasenko's yeah, like ever looked at. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you can see that fit Kyle Lowry. He won his title um, at the team he stayed for forever. He unfortunately had to be a New York Ranger. Um, he was an NHL video game cover athlete. Like, the league, you know, this guy was marketable, but he was stuck in St. Louis for so long, and then he went to Broadway and got overshone by, um, you know, the mediocre Patrick Kane immediately. But, it, you know, he, he's always had, like, a star that could shine bright in this league. I think there'll be, like, a time where he gets to the Hall of Fame table and he's going to get Hall of Very Good. But, like, everyone's going to be like, you know, the streets won't forget um, Vladimir Tarasenko because at his peak, the guy was nasty. Great hockey player. Yeah, I agree. We'll see. Definitely streets won't, streets won't forget after all his sick goals against the Rangers. Draft. That's right. Draft. Draft. draft, time. draft, draft so, draft. Uh, if you listen to our last draft episode, you'll kind of know the rules here. We do a snake draft. Um, as AJ mentioned earlier in the pod, we're doing the years 2006 to 2013. We're picking individual seasons for New York Islanders. So, like, let's say as an example, during this time period, someone takes, uh, just taking totally off the board here, someone takes, takes Brendan Witt 
someone takes Brendan Witt of the New York Islanders. Um, they're going to take the individual season for Brendan Witt, not his career, but then no one else will be able to take Brendan Witt for the rest of the draft. So they're going to have to just kind of like, no one else can take Brendan Witt, but the person who drafted him is restricted to that one individual season. So that that's kind of the rules of the game here. Um, based on the polls from last time, it's going to go draft order AJ, me, and then Jake. Excuse me, it's going to go Jake, me, then AJ, uh, based on Jake being the least popular uh, draftee of our last podcast. Um, And after the pod, I'm going to put another poll up on Twitter, and uh, you guys will be able to vote. And then when we do the next iteration, I think it's going to be 93 to 2006, or, yeah, 93 to 2006 or something. Uh, We'll go from there, and we'll do another draft based on your rankings. But, um, yeah, no, this this exercise is very fun. We love getting into it. But with the first pick on the board, uh, Jake, how you doing, pal? Uh, You can make the first pick. Yeah, second straight time I'm going to do this, but I am taking John Tavares with my first pick. Um, I was stuck uh, between a few, but um, I consulted with my good pal Frank, and he's like, dude, take Tavares. I'm like, All right, I'll take Tavares. So taking Tavares from the years 2011 to 2012 in 82 games, he had 31 goals, 50 assists, and 81 points, almost point per game. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to take John Tavares as my center. Okay. Tavares off the board. That's a good one. Um, so... Jake, I'm going to follow you up here, and I'm going to take Mark Strait. So that's going to be my second pick of the draft. I'm going to take Strait here for the year. 2008, 2009, 56 points plus five. Awful Islanders team, but great Mark Strait year. Uh, Strait's always been one of my favorite Islanders. Uh, I think the guy absolutely rocks, doesn't get the credit he deserves. But I'm going to take him for the 2008, 2009 season. And now AJ will take it to you for two picks. I'm going to go Rick DiPietro for 2007-2008. I believe whatever he was the All-Star, I'm pretty pretty sure it was 2007-2008 where he hurt himself in the All-Star game and dropped the uh, two F-bombs live on television. Obviously, the the only other All-Star besides Tavares and uh, Mark Streit to go around this time. So I feel like it's a pretty good choice. And then after that, it kind of gets interesting. I think I'm going to go with... Travis Hamnick, 2010-2011. Uh, it's an interesting choice, to say the least, but I don't feel too confident on the defensive crop. Knowing I have the best goalie locked down, I think I'm kind of set there for having you guys have to figure your way out of it. Yeah, no, I mean, you took the the best goalie on the board. By um, far you know, the best goalie good, on good the board. Good pick on your end. I, I was, thought I could circle around next round. Um, I'm going to take, you know, I'll, uh, I'll kind of follow your lead there, and I'll take uh, Evgeny Nabokov, 2011-2012 with my second pick. I'm kind of pigeonholing her into taking a goalie instead of playing the game with Jake. But, uh, you know, great year for Nabokov. Uh, 9-12 save percentage, two shutouts, and uh, that – or – Actually, I think that's the year prior. Um, yeah, now three shutouts and a 9-10 save percentage. But I'll take the year he makes the playoffs, and he got the load share of game time for the Islanders. Uh, so I'm going to take Napolica for 2011 or 2012-2013. So that leaves me. I'm taking my favorite Islander growing up. I'm taking Matt Molson from the years 2011 to 2012 season. 82 games, 36 goals, 33 assists, 69 points. His best as an Islander. 
Uh, and yeah, he's my favorite player growing up. So glad I'm able to get him, and we're gonna put him right next to JT, just like the good old days. No. Jay, you got two picks this round. Let me think. Um, Blood said it was his day it... off. <laughs> um, Should probably you know, pick a goalie. You're, you might not have another chance at a goalie. Yeah, that's true. Um, th- this list is great. Um, I will take Dwayne Rollison from 09-010. 2009-2010, uh, <laughs> not a great goalie crop, but, I mean, Ryan and AJ took one. I feel like I should take one. Only an Islander for two years, but uh, 2010, he was decent. Uh, put him a 9-16 save percentage, 2.64 goals against. Um, didn't win a lot, but put up good stats in those years. So I will take the Wayne Rolls. Yeah, could have went with uh, Wade Dublix, obviously. Uh Dublitz, I said that weird. Dublitz with his famous poke check, Islander legend lore, but I think Rolson was the right pick. Ryan, you're up. I don't. You didn't have to take your goalie there. Um, I'm going to take Franz Nielsen, t- 2011 to 2012. Um, 47 points, 7... Ah, I already said it. I'm going to take yeah. it. Yeah. But uh, Franz, yeah, there, there was another guy on my list that might have been better, but I'm going to take Franz, you know, his first big year. I think it's the second best year in the NHL, but 11-12 Franz. Um, you know, we, we love Franz, don't we, folks? Great uh, great Islander, great pick here, and I'll pass it over to AJ. All right, we're going to kick it off first with Jason Blake. 40 goals in 2006-2007. We all know Jason Blake, absolute rock star. Then he fucked off to Toronto like someone else we know. So, we'll go Jason Blake with the first pick. And the next pick's interesting. I can go many ways with this. Um, do I want to go defense? Do I want to go center? Do I want to go wing here? Uh, very, very tough question. I think I'm just going to take the safe answer and go Tom Pody who had 44 points in 2006-2007. There are some other really good options, but maybe not really good because it was the Islanders in the dark, post-Fisherman uh, Dark era, but, you know, Tom Pody, 6 goals, 38 assists, 44 points. Solid, solid numbers. Tom Pody, okay, on defense? Yeah. Um... Uh... Just confirm it. Okay, so Tom Pody, I got you in for D. Um, okay, I'm up next. Uh, what do we call guys who played both winger and center? Are we considering them centers? Forward. Are you, are you going with Brad Boys here? No, I'm not going with Brad Boys. Okay, I know who you're going with. You can just call him a forward. All right, I'm going to go with Mike Sillinger, 26 goals, 59 points in 06, 07. Um, honestly, one of my first favorite Islander. I love Mike Sillinger. Uh, you know, hell of a year. I, I know he left the year after. Um, I think his kid's in the NHL now. I hope he winds up on the island one day. But um, one of my first favorite Islanders. I really like Mike Sillinger during his time here, and I am very happy to have him as my winger here. Uh, I don't. Cole kind of stinks. I said it too. I said it when he did. No, I want this on the record. You think he stinks? I said it when he did the friggin'. Uh, That's Zagris Kent Johnson, dumbass. Nine thousand. That's like, Kent Johnson. Okay. That's Kent Johnson. Uh, you fucking uh, well, idiot. Stinks too. Wrong, wrong kid. Kent Johnson's sick. Kent Johnson's very good. Cole Sillinger sucks. Don't care. 
Don't care. All those kids stink. Ken Johnson's a good hockey player. Learn puck. <laughs> Could not care less. He stinks. Um, but, uh, yeah, Jake, back to you for uh, your pick for round four. I need the defenseman badly. There's there's a lot of defensemen on this list. Um, I guess the best, this might be bad to take, but I'm going to take AMAC from the years 2010 to 2011. One of the only years as an Islander where he had the, his plus minus and the plus, he had a plus nine. Uh, 40, uh, nope. Am I stupid? Yep, okay. 60 games, he had four goals, 23 assists, 27 points. Not a lot of great defensemen on this list as, you know, we'll keep picking more, obviously. But uh, he was a good Islander for a few years, and that was probably his best year. So uh, I'm going to take AMAC. Ryan. Nice. You got no no Jake has another. I go oh, again, don't I? Right. It's my yeah, day off you. now. We're not good at we're not good at this. Um this oh this is tough because this might be a bad take. Oh my god, am I really gonna do this? I'm gonna this is really dumb. I'm gonna I'm gonna take PA parent though. I am because in uh, 2011, he was he was really good. Uh, I know Oposo is on the board, but in uh, 2011, he put up 67 points in 80 games. Uh, a lot of assists those years as well. Um, Going to put him on the wing. So we got AMAC from 2010, and we got PA Parent, though, uh, for the year 2011 12. Uh, what is he cooking? Um, I'm going to take Viznovsky to complete my D pairs. I'm going to take uh, Lumbier Viznovsky. For the years 2012 to 2013, he was a plus 12 career year for Viznovsky. Um, again, one of my favorite Islanders. Always felt like he was super underappreciated. I know his career ended in the playoffs in, I think, 2014-15. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite Isles. I'll take Viznovsky every day of the week. And my D-pair is set between Strait and Viznovsky. I think that's pretty nasty. Yeah, that, that is very good. Not much defense, but uh, definitely offensive vibes going around left and right. I The Mark Strait pick was definitely the one I wanted there. But uh, my pick now, we're going to go off with Michael Grabner, who hasn't been selected yet. Uh, pretty shocked he's still here this late. Obviously, I'm going to take him in his 2010-2011 season. 34 goals, 18 assists, 52 points. He was awesome that year. Great, you know, he's always remembered as the, uh, as Ryan would call him, the breakaway guy. He could have been a real Islander legend if he was able to finish most of his breakaways. Sad. So we'll go Grabner with uh, that pick. And then next up, we're going to go with a guy I'm kind of shocked still here, but people are going to maybe have uh, some questions about this pick. And I'm going to go Alexi Yashin. In 2006-2007, he put up 50 points in 58 games as, as obviously the center of the New York Islanders. I know Yashin doesn't have the best rep of the fan base. He was a very good player when he did play, though. 50 points, 58 games. I'll take that this late in the draft. Almost a point per game. Oh, man, AJ, I love that pick for me. Um, so right now I've got a couple options. I've got three of my top five wingers still on the board. Um, I knew this pick would be, like, the death of me because I'm not sure if I'm any, like, new era Islanders fans know how nasty this guy was. But um, I'm taking Miroslav Satan. I'm going to get in bed with the devil here. Um, Satan himself. 
2007, 59 points, 27 goals. Absolutely nasty. Him and Jason Blake lit the league up on fire this year. I know AJ has Blake. But um, I'm taking Satan here at uh, – or, you know, I'm going to take him. And I think my starting lineup is rounded out at this point. To round out the decor, uh, not a lot of good defensemen left. But Brian Burrard, um, 2007-08, put up 22 points. Obviously not as good as he was in his first 10 years in Islander. But of this crop of list, he's probably the best one there. So I'm going to take him to round out the lineup. And for my first bench spot, um, I'm going to take – oh, my God, this is awful. I'm between so many guys. Uh, I, you know, I'm gonna take Kyle Oposo from 2009. Um, I keep saying 010, uh, 2009, 2010. Uh, this was the year. Wait, what am I? What am I saying? Yeah, 09, 010. I can't read. So in 80 games, he had 19 goals, 33 assists, 52 points. Uh, would have loved to take 2013 Oposo, but that wouldn't have worked. Uh, so this was probably his second best year. So I'll take the 09-10 Kyle Poso for my first bench spot. All right, Jake. Um, interesting draft to say the least. I'm taking uh, I'm taking Brad Boys here um, this round. Uh, you know, winger for the Islanders, very underrated player. Uh, during the lockout shortened season, he only played 48 games, but he had 35 points, 10 goals. Uh, pretty nasty player. Real, really like him as a backup wing. I'll take this pick, you know, every day of the week. Um, and that's going to be for the 2012-2013 season. Um, AJ, your last two picks of the draft here, unless you guys want to do one round on top of this. I think we only need nah. one round for this. Uh, I was going to take boys there, so that's unfortunate. Instead, I will go with Doug Waite, who put up 10 goals, 28 assists, 38 points in 58 games. In uh, I didn't put the year down, actually, so I will send that to you later. I think it was probably like 10-11 or something. 38 points, 58 games for an old wash Doug Waite. Not bad at all. With the names on this list, that's actually one of the better names, obviously, and uh, our legendary head coach. My last pick's going to be... Uh, What's his face? James Wisniewski. A very controversial pick, to say the least. He only played 32 games with the New York Islanders in, uh... I also don't have the year down for this one. I'll get you all the years down, don't worry about it. But in his 32 games before he got traded, he got 3 goals, 18 assists, and 21... 21 points, excuse me, in 32 games. And those are really good numbers, obviously, especially for for an Islander in the uh, 2010s period. And he also flipped off the Rangers and got suspended for that. So that's always a dub. He was a pretty solid defenseman. His plus-minus wasn't great, but I remember him as being a pretty solid, uh, tough defenseman that was able to also put up points to the Islanders when we couldn't score. Or win, I guess. Yep. Um, I Actually, I do really like that pick. I mean, he played in the 2018 Olympics. I, I thought about Wisniewski. I really liked him last time with the Islanders, but it was pretty short. Um, that, that was what really detracted from it. But as a Blue Jacket, I thought I thought it was pretty sick. Um, I guess my final draft, I mean, Jake, are you going to take him with your last pick, the guy you wanted to take the whole time? No. I don't really want to take him either. I'm going to take Ryan Smythe. Um, you know, it's it's probably a bad pick here, but, you know, he played, 
18 games as an Islander. He had 15 points. We just didn't extend him. Um, well, you know, captain of the Oilers, he got us to the playoffs that year. I know he got booed a lot at uh, Nassau Coliseum, but I'm going to take Ryan Smith here at, uh, you know, last round of the draft. Two things. One, it's Smith. Two, he didn't want to be here. Three, he was a crybaby bitch after we traded for him. Uh, four, fuck him. Yeah, no, I, I know that's the rep he has, but he was a pretty good Islander, and they don't make the playoffs without him. So, you know, it's either they go, like, what, from 2005 to 2013 without the playoffs, or he pushes them over the edge. You know, I know a lot of people have forgiven him from that time. It's it's whatever. He didn't ask to be here. He was just, like, a deadline acquisition, and he got us over the finish line. That's, that's all we really needed him to do. And sign the extension, I guess. Fuck him. Jake. All right, my last pick, I'm taking Kevin. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to take my first jersey um, of my lifetime. I'm going to take Mike Comrie from the years 2007-08. I was only here for two years, but in 2007, 76 games, 21 goals, 28 assists, 49 points. It was between him or Blake Como because I completely forgot Blake Como got 45 points one year. That's pretty pretty nuts. So I'm going to take Mike Comrie to round up my bench and my team. So, Jake, to go through your team, I have John Tavares, uh, Matt Molson, uh, Dwayne Rolson, uh, Andrew McDonald, P.A. Parento, Ryan Bedard, Kyle Ocposo, Mike Comrie. On my team, I have Mark Streit, Evgeny Nabokov, Franz Nielsen, Cole Sillinger, uh, Wisniewski, Miroslav Satan, Brad Boys, Ryan Smith, AJ's team, I have Rick DiPietro, I have Travis Hamanek, I have Jason Blake, I have Tom Potty, I have Michael Grabner, I have Alexi Oshin, Doug Waite, and James Wisniewski. Um, if you guys have anything wrong there, correct me. I think that's absolutely right at this point, though. You said Cole Sillinger, not Mike yeah. Sillinger. Oh, <laughs> uh, fuck me. Fuck me. Um, yeah, Mike Sillinger. He just, he just loves prospects. I type, no, I'm an idiot. I type Cole Sillinger because we were talking about that fucking... The kid, the future Islander, Cole Sillinger. I mean, he won the first round, right, AJ? Yeah, he also sucks. Uh, well, he'll suck on Long Island one day because it's his destiny. I mean, that's my favorite thing. Uh, we could do, like, kind of before we close out here, segment, you know, uh, Puck Doku, it's taken over the internet. I keep looking at these. I'm like, wow, this is Mike Sillinger's career. Like, you get him for at least two categories any day. Um, you know, I know AJ's have been having a ton of success. You want to talk about the game for a second? Puck Doku? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's awesome. I love it. You get to show off your yeah, scary, scary puck knowledge and how much you don't do anything but watch hockey. I love using uh, Thomas Grace in the most weird spots possible. Big goalie guy for me. I could do I could do a lot of weird goalie spots. Yeah, no, I know Jake plays it a lot too. I, I forget most mornings, but it is a fun game. Um but yeah, I'll put these up on the Twitter. You guys will get to vote on them. Uh pretty good draft. I think this is way more balanced than the first one. Yeah, I'm pissed. I really didn't expect you to go more straight there. If I went straight DPH I would have been chills. Yeah, that was what I was worried about when you sent me the draft order because I was like, I could either take Nielsen and then you have to, like, have no centers, really, I guess, kind of. Nah, or I could just take the best defenseman on the board and there's a big drop-off from one to two. You did the same thing for goalie, though. So yeah, I had to get one of them, so. 
Or I just get Tavares. Did you guys even have Yashin on your lists or no? I didn't put him up there. I wasn't going to take him. He was um, on mine. He was on mine. Did you have him above Cylinder? Because that, yeah. that was kind of where I drew the line. Yeah, 100%. He literally put up 50 yeah. and 58. Not as good yeah. as always, but still. Yeah, Yashin was my uh, second choice. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Damn, that's crazy. Um, he was I'm that sure good. in the next draft he'll go pretty high. Um, oh, I, had, absolutely. I had Mike Sillinger pretty I, – I had Mike Sillinger right over Yashin here just because Sillinger played the whole season, played in the playoffs that year. That's fair. A lot of memes left off by me. I mean, yeah, the I really, I really, I really wanted to take Richard Park, but I, I just couldn't. A really good guy in Puck Doku. Yeah. I think my it was the honest the other day, I think one of my answers was Tim Jackman, Zenon Kanopka, and um what did you do for five franchises? I think I did Broussard. Broussard's the so most was a, bait one you could do. Yeah, yeah I know. I yeah. did Michael Haley, got zero point one. Michael Haley. <laughs> I did Haley, I did um for Isles Wild, I did some who did I do? Let me look it up. You guys talk, I'll look what I had. Well, someone yeah, has to talk. Um, Words. Sorry. Yeah. Great <laughs> radio here. I found it. I found it. I, I found it. Bergenheim. Sean Bergenheim. Sean Bergenheim. Islanders Wild, point six. Richard Park, Islanders Ducks, point six. And then yeah. I had Wait for Ducks, uh, Blues, point nine. <laughs> and Garen for Blues, five teams played, point eight. Billy G. He's another one left off. Yeah. I had him on my list. I think everyone on my, on my list, list got picked besides I said Brendan Witt as the example as like <laughs> the last resort defenseman. He was like seventh on my list in case anyone wants to do it. Jake, I'm surprised you took Rollison over Al Montaya. But I'll I'll be honest. Rollie was my guy. He I, I loved him early on. I so I wrote like Poulin had a good year. I was not gonna take Kevin Poulin, but he had a Solid year 2010. Montoya was on here. Yeah, then he got hurt in 2010. He got hurt in warmups against Toronto, I'm pretty sure. He was really good when he first came into the league. I would have went Rolison, though, too. Could have went Nathan Lawson on here, but I didn't do that. Could have went Miko Koskinen as well. Joey McDonald. Wilson. Joey McDonald's on my list. (laughs) That's embarrassing. Uh, I I I agree, though, with going Rolison over Montoya. Rolison was class. And then he got no, traded. I had I had Montoya over Rolson, but again, I didn't get into the team until like 2013. Even though I'm older than you two, um, you guys were more of the ones suffering through this time period. Because oh yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I remember the team in 06, 07, but I wasn't like watching most of the games until at least 2013. So we're uh, tweeting. Tough, tough years. Yeah, no, the early days of Twitter, but. Yeah, it's a, it's a good list. I think the voting polls will be very interesting for this one. But uh, without further ado, AJ, any closing notes, anything else to cover here before we uh, hop off? Nada. All right, sounds good. Uh, Jake, anything before we hop off? No, I mean, thank you for the continued support of, number one, the draft, and number two, just the podcast all summer. We're excited to bring this to you guys every week as we kind of trot through the dog days and you know, preseason in September. So that'll be the next thing we'll look forward to. Maybe we'll get some more news this week. 
Yeah, I think we'll keep doing draft episodes, you know, as long as uh, the season's a little bit dry. Um, if it gets very interesting, we might forego a draft. But we have a couple more eras of Islanders to bring you guys to a draft. But uh, without further ado, uh, thank you guys for listening. Really appreciate everything you do for us throughout the summer. We really appreciate the continued support on the pod. You can follow AJ on Twitter, the host of this podcast, uh, at DeVito Hockey. You can follow Jake on the Twitter at uh, Prime Jakey. You can follow me on Twitter at Rad Martin with two T's. Uh, you can follow the pod on Twitter at Skates and Stakes with the letter N. And uh, that's about it. Thanks you got. Thanks to you guys for listening. Really appreciate it. And talk to you guys soon. Peace.